Hello, welcome to the Clown Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined here this evening live on YouTube for the third day in a row by Matt Lynch. Matt, long time, mate. How you been? Yeah, all good, thank you, mate. Yeah, all good. How about yourself? Yeah, excellent. Last time you came on, we beat Fib, Hib, Fibs, Hibs 5-0. Uh, fair weather, Matt Lynch only comes on when we win 5-0, it seems. Uh, Sheffield United 0, Aston Villa 5. I was very annoyed that I thought we were going to blow the clean sheet at one point, which says everything about the performance. But yeah, five goals is good, but that clean sheet is mega important as well. Uh, what a brilliant night. Yes, bottom of the league, etc. We'll get that out of the way, but still, 5-0 is 5-0, isn't it? I mean, yeah, away from home, you, you sort of expect that it's going to be a bit tough at times and you expect the, the home side to put something onto you but I think over the first 10 minutes they, they really didn't punish us too much at all and I think that that first goal really took any momentum they did have and we sort of took advantage from there but yeah the, the first 10 minutes was the only point really where I think I had any concern of us it going belly up sort of thing. Yeah, it's uh, something we've said about Villa a lot. That the first goal is so important that when Villa do get it, they tend to go on to win games. And, and when you look at these games of, and I will say it now, and I'll say it for the last time, it's bottom of the league. Yes, they're rubbish. Sheffield United, of course, we should be beating them. But the fact that they put our winning run to an end at Villa Park just a few weeks ago shows that you know any result can happen. Uh, you've got that kind of classic cliche of it being a banana skin and a tough away game and they're fighting for every point, etc. So we'll get that caveat out of the way that, yes, I understand it's the bottom of the league and you know this isn't the, the toughest op- opponent we'll face this season. Um, but to go there and play in that, in that manner... Three and up after what fifteen minutes or whatever it was, four and after yeah. twenty is you know that's a statement of intent against whoever you play. It's it's put into bed the disappointment of midweek by going, we're going to get that early goal. I'm not just going to stop at one. We'll go two, three, four, and almost at the second half. In the second half, you could take your foot off the gas. We come out and score the fifth in the forty seventh minute. Like, that doesn't happen very often. You tend, I thought I would finish four nil. Uh, so to to do it five as well is yeah, just a lovely, lovely night of, of football and a good day of Premier League football as well with Spurs dropping points and, and Newcastle as well. Yeah, no, it worked out very well to, to get that 4-0 buffer because it meant that at half-time, obviously, it seems from... I saw John tweet that um, Dougie wasn't too well this morning, so it was great that we were in a position to be able to take Dougie off at half-time. Um, mm. And obviously, in a similar way, we were able to take off their troop when it was a precautionary measure as well. So it's worked out very well in that sense of the world. But also as well, I know it's, it's early to say at this point now, but to boost that goal difference like we have, um, yeah, yeah. means that if it comes down to it we're in a very good position for, for goals scored let alone with the goal difference itself it's done us no harm in that front as well especially after a few results where we've shipped a few goals of late as well mm. Yeah and also you know, I predicted 4-1 in our preview um, based off the 4-1 defeat we had at Sheffield United in, in the Championship I just thought I'd just flip the, flip the, the scoreline around so I got five goals I just didn't, didn't get it quite right that they'd all be for Villa and you know 4-1 suggests I thought it was going to be easy and I didn't I, I thought it might be a little bit more difficult and you know I said 4-1 as a almost a bit of a tongue-in-cheek prediction I probably thought it, it could have been a, a 2-1 or a 1-0 Villa even it might be a little bit sticky so I was not expecting that kind of level of performance were you to, to come out and kind of yes they're bottom of the league etc but to come out and, and play so well and score goals they're all very good goals as well that's, that's another thing really good quality I was not expecting it to be as comfortable as it was yeah I mean no I wasn't expecting that just because I've seen this on these patches before and we end up going on a, a turgid patch of form but I think that the telltale sign for me to be heard, I said before the game but United's pre-match interview was quite short, quite snappy. You could tell that she still was reeling from what happened the other night and really he wanted to make them pay for it. And, and clearly he's done something because 
the way we played, the way we flowed, it was much more like it. But equally in the same breath as that, I must note that Sheffield United seemed to have not gotten onto the idea that we enjoy playing against the high line as much as we play a high line. And that made our lives a lot easier. I mean, technically away from Dougie's pass for the Watkins goal, but that was made 10 times easier by the fact that Sheffield United decided to play a really high line, all things considered. Mm, I can hear what I thought before we started was uh, plates and glasses clinking in the background of the kitchen, but that's also apparently a little dog somewhere that we might be able to see a little bit later on. And I'll also apologise to the audio purists. I think Matt's uh, audio is a little bit quieter than mine, but I've tried to fix it as best I can. We are live, so there's not really much I can do about that. So fingers crossed it's okay. Uh, let's talk through the goals one by one then. Um, was the Watkins goal first? I would have forgotten the order. Uh, it was McGinn first. McGinn first, of course, yeah. 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 Watkins uh, goes through, get, got in behind so often, didn't he, with, with such ease really for him. Um, I don't think he technically gets the assist with it coming back off the post, according to AVFC Stato. I don't think the Premier League website have given him the assist for that, uh, which is a shame because his stats are very good this season. I'm not quite fully sure why it wouldn't be an assist, but uh, as of recording, at least, that was the information I was told. So uh, Watkins... Goes off the post. McGinn is in a good position to follow up and, and kind of slam home, if you like. Uh, and it's off to the great start that we hope for, right? You just think, well, 1-0 early doors. I don't think anyone at that point is thinking it's a 5-0 game. But it gives you that kind of comfortableness to go, OK, we've got the early goal away from home. We're in a good position now. Sheffield United aren't very good. So even at 1-0, this might be OK. Obviously, to go on and do what we did is, is special, as we've said. But a, a very good way to start the goal. And McGinn, uh, every credit to him for kind of spotting that opportunity, I guess, to, to follow up on something. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the the thing with that goal especially is the fact that he's actually bothered to do that. And I think that he's had a bit of an undue stick recently in terms of his performances, but I wouldn't necessarily say that the whole team's been up to the standards they've been hitting anyway. Mm. But I think that for him, that's great for confidence, A. But I think, B, if I was a Sheffield United fan, I'd be fuming with the fact that no defender other than the one that's cleared off the line has bothered to follow that in because nine times out of ten, there's another defender there and... There's, there's not the option for, for John to follow in there, but because he's had the opportunity to fair play to him, he's the only man around. So, of course, seven easy to happen and you, you take them all day long, absolutely. And, and and equally, to be fair as well, Watkins has done the hard work there anyway, yeah. taking Fodring about the picture. So it's it's easy as you like for McGinn, but all the work there is done by Watkins in the first instance. Yeah, Watkins has had stickers well over the last few weeks about being a streaky goal scorer, which is not you know new information to any Aston Villa fan. He will go on a period of scoring goals and a period of not scoring them. But to be the first player in Europe's top five leagues to get 10 goals or 10 plus goals and assists in their league, that's that's not an easy task to, to do that. I think um, Mo Salah or Darwin Nunes or somebody did it a few weeks ago, but that, that included cup competitions as well. Which, of course, Ali Watkins has scored a few in the Conference League, obviously. Uh, but the 10-plus goals and assists, the first player to do that in their league uh, across the big ones, La Liga, Liga, and etc. So, no mean feet by Ali Watkins there. Um, and yes, I feel like I need a little like placard of like, yes, it's only Sheffield United uh, to hold up every time, every time I mention it. But two assists and a goal and kind of running the show that the assists for Moreno's goal and I were jumping ahead a little bit mm, yeah. to have the kind of uh, thought presence of mind to like dink that over to the back post rather than drill it along the floor drill it along the floor and we've seen Moreno do that kind of left footed side volley before so almost yeah. that kind of little like I, I can see what's about to happen here before before it's about to um, let's talk about his goal um, I suppose the the thing about Watkins first goal is uh, the assist isn't it You still there? Can you hear me? Yes, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you, yeah. you, you disappeared you. for a second. Sorry, I had a yeah. phone call come in. Oh, 
Who do they think they are? Uh, yeah, the, the thing with the first goal is, is the assist, isn't it? Douglas Luiz outside outside of the foot assist is yeah, yeah, ridiculous. It is, yeah, and I think that the thing with him, especially in that moment in time, is that he he can produce that week in week out, and he's, he does that game after the game. But the amount of times it ends in a goal is is naturally sometimes limited. That mm. um, does happen at times, but he's got the better of his man there and he's put a great cross in there and you know it's credit to him and what he produces but I, I would say the, the main thing you have to remember with him as a player is that maybe any other striker in the world that isn't a confidence player other than probably Harry Kane or, or Hartland there's none of them around there yeah, and again, jumping ahead a little bit, Musa Diaby, when he came on, his first little chance to kind of jinx inside out a couple of times and, and get the shot away. We spoke on the last episode, and I think we're doing a podcast about him this week. Um, looks devoid of confidence a little bit, but in that moment, yes, you're already falling up at least a five up at that point. There's no there's no um, danger, for want of a better phrase, that if he messes up, we're going to concede off the back of it and maybe lose the game. Like It's, it's all uh, plain sailing at that point. So to see him come on and have the confidence to take something on where we've criticised him for not shooting sometimes is, is hopefully a sign of things to come that uh, he will kind of spring back to life over the next couple of weeks. Um, what was the next goal? <laughs> I should have written these down in order. Really. Ridiculous. I will say I just did bath time like very quickly before we started this. So I'm a bit all over the place. Uh, Bailey, Bailey, of course. One, yeah. Again, a lovely finish from Leon Bailey. Something that we've seen him do t- time and time again. Go one way, come the other, and curl it on his left on his left foot. Um, just talk to me, not specifically just tonight, but overall, because it's been a long time since we've spoken on the podcast. He is having his best season for Villa, isn't he? Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I think, um, just quickly, I think the audio in the background has started again because of um, me dropping off for a split second. So I've currently got the background music playing again. Oh, really? but, um, you, you're Bailey, coming through loud and clear, so you'll have to just uh, deal with having been able to hear it. <laughs> it's really weird. But but no, I think that, as always with any of these sort of players that are coming into the Premier League, they're going to take time and it's going to take a little bit of time for them to pick up their best form. And, I think that the case study here is that we need to give Musa Diaby a little bit more time on that front. And mm-hmm. we've been seeing the best of Leon Bailey week in, week out, but it does seem that we're trying to manage his game time. I'm not sure if that's injury-related or just the workload that's naturally going to come. I mean, got Chelsea in the Cup, and then what is it, the month of time we're back in Europe? So mm. I totally understand the idea we've got to manage his, his game time. But what he's producing for us at the moment, you could argue he's currently one of the most informed players in, in the league by some distance, the way he's playing football. And... I think that's a credit to, to Unai Emery once again, because before, to be fair to him, he was a little bit lost. And I think that Unai Emery's brought a lot from him in terms of confidence. But equally, his work right now is second to none. You, you don't really see him previously tracking back the way he does, but now it's sort of second nature for him to, to make that tracking back as well. And I think with that, he becomes an overall a, a complete winger, which, to be fair, before he probably wasn't. Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned Unai Emery uh, earlier about him like looking fired up, and that's something we've seen a few times when uh, we've come off the back of a defeat, and you think, oh, you know, be careful. The rest of the Premier League there's an angry Unai Emery on the loose who might come and bring a, a vengeance down upon somebody. His pre-match interview to be asked, uh, you know, Morgan Rodgers might be in the squad, uh, might make uh, his debut, but what, what's happened to Matty Cash? Why is that? Just a long pause, and he goes, "Good afternoon." There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing. He's like, oh, "It's tactical." <laughs> like, that's it. It's like, okay, all right, this guy means business. 
and he celebrated every goal. I, I, I remember reading something at one stage a few weeks ago that after a certain amount of goals, he stopped celebrating out of respect. It might be four goals, maybe. It might possibly be five, in fact. Um, I think it was the Hibs game when he didn't celebrate towards the end because we'd already like built that buffer. Uh, but for the first two or three goals, at least, he was going insane celebrating those goals, and, and, and rightly so. We've been through a little bit of a, a sticky patch over the last, what, six weeks, maybe, since Pau Torres first got injured, I suppose, uh, and have gone through some difficult spells in that time. Still doing well in the in the league in terms of where we are in the in the league table, uh, but had a couple of games without without scoring or um, without conceding uh, a couple of nil nils. Um, so yeah, like every right for him to go a little bit crazy and appreciate that, that that win. He won't be holding up a placard in the dressing room going, "It's only Sheffield United." Every game is is important, and, and they will um, you know take good things from what they've done today and take those into this busy week for us. There was a comment earlier. Um, if I can find it very quickly uh, from Dominic who says you're not back properly until you beat somebody of note beating Sheffield United with that defence is nothing to shout about yeah you're right Sheffield United are rubbish they'll be relegated this season but you've still got to beat what's in front of you and that opponent at Villa Park mere weeks ago we couldn't beat them so you know you just have to get over the line sometimes um, I understand if you go and lose to Chelsea and lose to Man United in these next few days it will look a little bit redundant but for now you celebrate a good win and, and then prepare for the next one um, talking of the next one, let's go to the next goal. Uh, a Yuri Tielemans banger, isn't it? Copyright that. He, he only scores great goals. It's first in the league for Villa. Interesting that the first one came from the set piece, the corner, which was a well-worked routine. I think the commentary on Sky said, that's why you pay a set piece coach or something, because he, we'd worked a good routine. Tielemans had headed it into the ground and it was cleared off the line for the, the, the second corner, uh, which was totally the opposite we just put it in the box it forced Tielemans on the edge of the area and he rifles it forward into into the back of the net in acres of space why Tielemans wasn't picked up is is ridiculous knowing what he can do from the edge of the area you think he's going to take the shot first time and he takes a touch moves it onto his right and smashes it in off the crossbar Matt we love an in off the crossbar don't we the sound oh lovely yeah it's beautiful lovely one thing I would say, though, in, in terms of what Tielemans brings to this side is that I th- a lot of fans have given him a bit of stick at the start of the season in terms of the way he was playing. But I think it's quite clear at this point now that he's pretty pivotal to to mm. what you know Emery wants to do now. And I think he's a must-start if we get him at this point now. And I think that what he brings is a lot of support for Watkins. And if anything, it takes a bit of that workload in terms of tracking back from Watkins, which, to be fair, Watkins does a lot, but... I think with Yuri in there as well, it allows him to perhaps spend a little bit more time forwards, which is great for us when we're on the break as well as we've seen tonight. Mm, yeah, it's um, it's great to see him, him scoring his first in, in the league. Um, yeah, you're right, having a, a little bit of stick. I suppose if you'd have, when he signed in the summer and Jack Ramsey wasn't injured, you'd be thinking, well, if he's playing, you know, if Tillman's is playing in the side, who, who's uh, you know, in expense of him? Uh, obviously, Ramsey's injury and his return to fitness not quite being there has opened up a spot for Tillman's. But you're right, I think he's probably not the most important. I think that's silly, but he's an important cog in, in how Emery wants to play. And when he's not there and hasn't played or hasn't played very well over the last few weeks, you, you notice that, you, that you're kind of missing him. Um, so it's kind of Tielemans' position to lose, I guess, isn't it now with Ramsey back fit uh, or back in the squads at least, obviously not quite ready. Um, that's Tielemans' position and you're right, he he starts at the moment, no, no doubt about it. Him, him, Bailey and Watkins are probably forming some kind of front three, front four with McGinn. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the thing with him as well, though, is that he carries so much experience for his age. He's still late 20s, I think it is. So he's got mm. so much experience under his belt that in the latter stage of the season, what he brings for us is is excellent in terms of experience that can mean that 
he can keep the, some of the heads that perhaps haven't had that experience at fighting for titles. I don't want to say that word, but fighting for cup competitions. He's had the experience of doing that previously. So he's got a huge part to play for us in the next three or four months, for sure. Yeah, and as we said at the top of the show, to, to go in half time four nil against a side that you're comfortably going to beat, and, and no doubt about Sheffield United come back in my, in my mind at least. Uh, you you've got the ability to to rotate a little bit and rest some players. You mentioned Douglas Louise, but you know, I was fully expecting that just to be a four nil not four uh, nil result and just kind of not really be that bothered about the second half, but to come out and score the fifth and then go, right, that's enough now. <laughs> we'll take the foot off the, the gas now. Uh, Watkins initially does well to hold up the ball down the right-hand side, goes back to Bailey possibly, and they play a 1-2, and he, he chips into the um, into the box from Moreno to, to volley home. Again, just a really nice goal, just a lot of quality on display tonight. And there's that placard again, yes, it's only Sheffield United, um, but you, know, you score quality goals against any side, right? I, I think the caveat to that point that you keep making as well, though, is the fact that, in fairness, you've got to be what's put in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as that. And uh, To be fair, I think that that was off the training ground in the sense of the word that it was that easy for us. Mm. Not that the goal was rehearsed, but in the sense that it was a goal that was so well worked, that it was so simple for us, that it was actually a really easy finish for Moreno. I know he took it well, but in terms of what he had to do, he just had to get it on target in the sense that was going in the back of the net. So... You know what, Ollie Watkins is doing what he's done, which is, is light on a plate, and he's done that time and time again. But I think that's what we get with Moreno in the side over Luca Dean is that option in the box because you don't see mm-hmm. Dean on the end of that sort of thing as much. I know he gets in the box, but he's much more likely to whip across his in than he is to to get on the end of the crosses. Where Moreno, mm-hmm. you get a picture of the two, and it's clear that's why Emery probably bought him in twelve months ago at this point. Yeah, definitely, I totally agree. Uh, a little bit on the substitutions then. Obviously, Musa Diaby comes on, as we've mentioned, and, and looks okay. You know, has, gets a shot in early doors. And um, again, he's come in as a big money sign. And he's not guaranteed to start at the moment because yeah. of Leon Bailey's resurgence. And that's fine. Yeah. It's on him to earn his place. And if he he's earning his place and he's better than uh, Leon Bailey, Villa are in a good place. So I'm not bothered about competition and keeping people happy. No. That's on a United sort. As a fan, I want, you know, 14, 15 top quality footballers competing for 11 places. Um Timmy Rabunum comes on for 20 minutes or so, I think, off the top of my head. Uh, again, nice way to get him into a game and there's no jeopardy on it, really. That's the word, jeopardy. That's a danger before. Uh, and Morgan Rogers as well, makes his first filler appearance. Little, little Morgan Rogers, Rogers? Morgan Rogers watch from you. Did, you. did you notice much or was it just a quiet, quiet one? <laughs> well, he, he was quiet, yeah, but the, the first opportunity or first touch he even got was a great chance, what, by 16 yards out and Probably should have done better, but it's it's good that he's got into that position straight mm. away. You know, he he fits right in by the fact that he's not had to consider or basically he looked like he'd been there a while. If the word I'm probably looking for, he looked like he'd been part of the setup for a while, and he seems to slide in nicely. So it's unfortunate not to get that goal, but I think that the great thing is is that he probably not start for the time being, but he's a great impact player for us. It'd be interesting to see if he starts against Chelsea actually midweek. Actually, no, it'd be cut side, won't he? But I think that the the thing with him especially is that he's so young and raw still that with Emery, it's exciting to see what can be done with it. But now suddenly we've got that option to either go down the middle with him or or even you've got that option to bring him on out wide if we need to. But I, yeah, for me, really nice to just see the cameo. I think it's a perfect position for him to be coming on in. I don't think we'd have been bringing him on if it was a tight game, but mm. it's great that he's been able to come in there and, and make that impact in the sense of the word that there's no pressure for him. 
Yeah, exactly that. If there's ever a time to bring on a deputant and a, and a twenty, uh, an eighteen-year-old in in Timmy Rabunam as well, it's when you're fighting up and there's no danger, no jeopardy on that game whatsoever. If that was nil-nil and you go, come on, Morgan Rogers, off you come and, and score a goal for us, the pressure is obviously much more immense. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned being cup tied, and I nodded along and said yes and assumed so. But I was, I'm thinking of the Carlo. He played against Villa. He's obviously... played against Villa. Of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so stupid. I'm going to make a point about. Well, actually, I think it might be the Carlo Cup you're thinking of, but you played against Villa, of course. Uh, so yeah, cup tied. I don't think he would have started anyway. I think we'll start our strongest team against Chelsea on Wednesday because we're, we're getting further into the cup now with a, a home tie against Leeds or Plymouth after it. Uh, so you play your, your strongest side anyway. Uh, just read a couple of comments from Kelvin, who said, a fantastic win, but Chelsea on Wednesday and United next weekend will be 10 times more difficult. So hopefully we can carry on with our ruthlessness in front of goal. And Mr. Cheesy Fire, my favourite username, I think, pops up from time to time. Uh, needed a confidence boost. Who cares if it's against bottom of the league? Scoring five away against anyone in this league is not an easy task. I firmly agree with that as well. The comment from Kelvin, though, is, is right. You know, as much as tonight is good, if we don't get through the FA Cup and United come to Villa Park and beat us and close the gap for the race for the top four, it'll be a disappointing week still. This has been a massive period for Villa, I thought, the, these three games, and we've kind of started off in the best possible way by beating the team you expect us to, but beating them comfortably. It is now about backing that up, isn't it? And, and hopefully getting through the FA Cup and at the very least, don't lose to Man United. Yeah, it's a, it's probably, I'd say it's a, would it be a hyperbole to say it's the most important week of our season so far? Probably not. No, I think um, that's right. I think that the, the Chelsea game, especially after watching them against Liverpool the other night, they were horrendous. Um, and I think that's the sort of Chelsea that we're going to be facing on Wednesday night. I think Chelsea away from them are very different propositions to Chelsea at home. Um, mm. I mean, they've lost Bro, you know, which is just a bizarre move in itself as well. So, I know Cuckoo scored the other night and he's back into fitness. But for me, I think we've got enough to overpower them, especially with Chelsea being away from home. They've not looked too good away from home. I mean, they, they lost to Borough as well in the Carabao Cup away from home as well, didn't they? So, you know, they're, they're not a great side away from home. And then you look at United as well, it's, it's a, a similar position for them. You're taking them on at home. And again, you, obviously you fancy this against anyone at home. But as we're seeing against Newcastle, if the wrong Villa side turns up for the first, the first 10 minutes, it could be a different story. And for, for all the shakiness of United against Wolves the other night, I mean, they scored four goals and, and got a victory away from home. So that sort of says something about their sort of mentality as well, I guess, as well at the moment. Yeah, I'd never like giving Man United praise. So I can't stand them, but they always find a way, don't they? Even if you can, you think you can write them out of the game, they, they come up with something, and you know they're still right up there behind us, chasing our tails. Um, I said, don't lose to Man United. Obviously, I want us to win, but it's, it does feel a little bit season-defining. It's certainly strong because we play Fulham, Forest, and Luton three games after it, and then Spurs after those, and you know they're all big games as well. Let's say you only drew to United, but then won the next three. You're still going to be in a fantastic position with the points gap we've got. You just don't want to lose out on any points to United because they're the ones chasing us down along with Spurs. Um, I suppose, again, because we've not spoken for a long while on the podcast, we were talking about Hibs, which would have been, what, August or September, I suppose, for the, the second leg, potentially. Um, yeah, September, I think. Obviously, the landscape has changed dramatically then in terms of priorities for where we think we'll finish in the league and how far we'll go in the Cups and all that kind of thing. Do you think we'll get Champions League qualification this season or is it a, a little step too far? I think that my optimism has always remained since probably November time that we can get top four. I think that still is the way because I look at all the teams around us. I mean, I know Newcastle got away with it in the end today, but they were horrendous, arguably. Mm. 
for, for large parts of that game other than when they were ahead. And then against us, to run a state, they folded when a bit of pressure came their way. So I think that Newcastle are going to be lurching. Um, I think that United, you don't know what United team's going to turn up. I mean, we saw Spurs blow it last minute again today, which has obviously put us in a great position. But mm. you look at teams around us, and I think it's been the case for a long while now already this season that nobody's really doing anything to force the issue. Um, and I think that's us included in that as well. So there's a huge opportunity for us to, to break that mould, if you like. But I think we saw West Ham do it a few years ago and they, they dropped off just at the end and ended up in the Conference League, which nobody has seen that winning. But there's, there's a great opportunity here. But again, as well, we're looking at the idea of fifth perhaps being a position that could be Champions League football next season. But I'd rather not let to leave that to chance and mm. get us to win the European Conference League and then secure that Champions League football in fourth and then rest easy on that front. But I just, yeah, I look at teams around us and I'm not actually that concerned at this moment in time about the way things are heading. Yeah, I think I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. It's weird how you assess where you are in the league and the points gap that you've got, whether you're the one that's already got those points or whether you're the chasing back. I think if we were seven or eight points behind top four and it was on us to go out and do it, a bit like last season, getting up into seventh, you kind of think, it's only three games, like we can do it, a couple of wins, we'll be putting the pressure on, we can we can get there, keep going, keep going. When you're the one that's already in that position, it's an eight-point gap, you kind of go, oh, that's not very much, is it? It's like, well, still, still a lot to do. It's still, you know, I don't think there's a ruthlessness from any of the other teams around us yet at the moment, and you, you include Villa in that. We're not just flying away with it, but also, as you say, Spurs dropping points to everything today. Newcastle dropping points to Luton. Man United uh, have dropped points this season as well. Um, no one is kind of creeping up on me thinking, well, they're the ones to watch. Like, oh, I'm, I'm terrified of Spurs or anything. Like, I think all of us, are going to drop points in, in, in games you don't expect us to. But as long as we've got that buffer, I think that's um, that's something to hang our hat on and kind of, I don't want to say be proud of because it's not achieved anything yet, but to have that kind of buffer to to give ourselves a little bit of wiggle room is is, is certainly handy. Now, I got distracted then by a comment from Saurat. Uh, he said, Dan mentions Man United as, he ch- as chasers, but fails to mention West Ham and Brighton both ahead of United. That's true. I just don't think West Ham or Brighton have got enough to oust the top six. I think it will be Man United that, that, that are the sixth place or one of the six top six teams. Uh, Newcastle won't get into it and neither will West Ham or Brighton. So, yes, they're, they're up there at the minute above United. Um, but I, I'm not I'm not concerned about either of those two, are you? I mean, again, it's that prime example of they're not doing anything to rip up trees either, are they? I mean, Brighton got drilled, was it 4-0 in the end on Wednesday night against Luton? Um, and I obviously turned up today and turned over Palace, but to be honest, that seems the current going rate at the moment. That's what Brighton do, isn't Palace. it? Yeah. Brighton uh, win games come to me and you think, oh, they're, they're decent, and then they get battered. Yeah, pretty much. And I think that West Ham are in the same mould as well. I mean, I think they've won seven of their last nine at this point now, but the two performances that they have lost, they've been dreadful. And I know obviously they've got a few players coming back from Afcon in the coming weeks, but I don't think that they're going to be a threat to the top four, that's for sure, just because of their inconsistencies at the moment. And we should obviously be hopefully getting stronger with Pau coming back into the fold as well. And I think that when you look at it like that and, and hopefully JJ coming back to, to proper full fitness in the sense that he can actually start properly for us, we're, we're in a very different position. Yeah. Um, 
we'll call it a night there. I think we've almost done half an hour. Um, so thanks everyone for joining us live on Saturday evening. It's a little bit all over the place. I've been very distracted by both the comment section and some mates, uh, some mates, some notes I made to myself on Slack, and I've been trying to like reference certain things and then getting mixed up with the order of the goals and stuff, which I thought would be a good idea, but it turns out it isn't. Uh, this won't be the current really podcast though without talking about something that wasn't football related. Matt, are we going to get a glimpse at that dog to say goodbye? I normally have to bring my baby on at certain point, so. Oh, there he is. Is it a boy? There you go. Go honey. It's yeah. been a nightmare the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought someone was doing the washing up or something, but it's that little collar yeah. clinking away. It is, yeah. Oh, what, a, what, a, what a cutie. How old? Uh, she's 12 weeks, so oh, she wow. goes out for the first time tomorrow. But also, one thing before we finish, we didn't talk about Douglas Ruiz's assist, by the way. Um, oh, we, well, yeah, we mentioned it in passing, didn't we, about we did, how good yeah, it was. Yeah. Just wanted to mention with that one is that fans are saying about, oh, if this was KDB, it would be everywhere. Trust me, mm. that will still be everywhere. He's Brazilian yeah. for a reason, so yeah. that clip will still end up everywhere. Um, yeah. And I think it's credit to, to the player that he is in, in terms of his development at Villa. I'm not sure that there's an official award for assist of the season, but it's something we tend to do as one of our categories on Claret and Blue. I think that will be Villa's assist of the season, if not one of the assists of the season throughout the Premier League, I think. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt in that. Yeah. Uh, just a comment here from John to end. He says, what a day. Met Paul McGrath and watched Villa, Kane, Sheffield United. Uh, shout out to Neil and the lads for their interview podcast with uh, Paul McGrath. I'm not sure whether they were filming it or not, but if they are, that'll be on YouTube. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, what a brilliant day they'll have had over in Ireland uh, with, a, with a load of Villa fans as well. And then watching that game after with uh, someone of Paul McGrath's ilk is, must have been a really special day. So uh, fair play to the lads for organising that one. Uh, Matt, thank you for joining me on this one and uh, the little pup as well. Thanks everyone for watching along live with this one. Uh, we've done three live streams over the last three days about the transfer window, a preview for this game, of course, uh, and this post-match show. So thank you for joining us and getting involved in the comments. Um, if you've been listening to these on Catch Up on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, get involved with the rating system and the reviews. They're, re- they're very handy to us as well. Um, and we'll be back on Monday with the Monday show Q&A so if you want to get involved with that as well you can scroll down to the comments on this YouTube video and leave a question for me and John we'll be filming Monday morning and that'll be out Monday afternoon Monday evening because we're filming it in person so I need to edit it and and do it properly Uh, so come back on Monday we'll see you then thanks everyone for tuning in uh, and up the villa